0: Hi there, my name is Ollie Lloyd, and welcome to the Food Talk Show. On today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Pete Russell, the founder of Ubi. Now, many of you might not have actually heard of Ubi, and I met them a bit earlier in the year at Groundswell, a festival that's focused on all things sustainable agriculture that I have to say you should definitely get to. But anyway, I came across them and thought they were doing something really extraordinary and believed that really too few people had heard about them. In essence, what they're doing is building a tech platform that's connecting small farmers with local consumers. So let me introduce Pete, and let me just say a big thank you for joining the Food Talk show you're very welcome thank you very much for inviting me so just to frame it up what's the basic idea of what you're trying to do at ubi ubi is all about
1: giving small-scale food producers the option to be able to sell direct and therefore bypass the usual supply chains the usual centralized supply chains so they can make more money with the food that they're selling and uh, to make small scale viable again and to put small scale back at the heart of the food system. And how are you doing that? We provide an online platform, effectively an e-commerce platform uh, which allows the growers and and food hubs to be able to present their products online but also we provide the digital infrastructure to organise all of the packing and deliveries. So it's about simplifying the packing, optimising the deliveries and just making it easier for that type of operation to be carried out.
0: And so look, on one level, digital's got easier. Surely people can do this themselves or is it still super complicated and that's really the problem you're trying to tackle?
1: Yeah, that's exactly that. It, it has gotten easier, but the the specific uh, sales and logistics that go into Small-scale food, when you're dealing with perishable items, you're dealing with highly recurring types of transactions, um, is, is a niche that has its own types of use cases. That really there isn't very much or any software out there that's designed specifically to solve that problem. So, in a way, um you know, food is a lagging industry when it comes to going into the online space. Um and And that's because it's a more complex operation that's very specific. And so we're solving those sort of all of those little edge cases that really only apply to this type of of business model.
0: So who are the customers who are using Ubi?
1: Well, there's two customers effectively. The first customer or, or Ubi's direct customer are small farms and food hubs. And they are farms that uh, have a barn or a building on their their land where they bring the food off the field or bring food from other farms and neighboring areas, and they pack and dispatch that food in customer orders from there. Um, And then the secondary customer is our customer's customer. So they're households primarily, and they are shoppers that want to buy direct. They, They value the quality they value the freshness, they value the taste, and, uh, and they want to be able to get the food straight from the farmer. So those customers are the customers of, of the hubs.
0: And so what are people, or what are these farms doing at the moment if they're not using Ubi?
1: Well, the farms that aren't using Ubi that are selling online are using a variety of different tools. In some cases, it's as simple as they'll have a WhatsApp group, that customers or WhatsApp messages that customers will be pinging back and forth with saying, Oh, can I get a box this week? or Can I not get my box this week? They'll have a spreadsheet. Uh, they might be running some accounting software. They might have a WordPress site or some sort, or they might be using something like Shopify. And typically, they're kind of cobbling together a bunch of different, sort of disparate tools. To be able to organize their their online sales. And then of course you've got all the the, the, the small farms uh, out there that aren't selling online. You know, they could very well be selling online, but they just they haven't solved that problem yet. And so their business is limited to going to farmers' markets or selling to you know local restaurants and cafes uh, or you know farm gate sales. So yeah, that's that's the kind of the mix.
0: So in summary, you're trying to unlock i suppose the e-commerce opportunity for small farms and, and for and small producers exactly and so how many you know potential farms do you think there are in the uk
1: well it's it's hard to know exactly because you know farms broadly speaking are broken down into three types you've got your arable farms which are doing all the grains you've got your livestock farms And then you've got your horticulture farms. That means like market gardeners, for example. They're the ones that have a product that's kind of ready to go straight to the consumer. And then within that that group of sort of market gardeners, you've got, you know, very large scale that are focusing on selling into wholesales and selling into supermarkets. And then you've got your smaller scale, which are limited to, you know, farmers markets and and, uh, the other sort of small business-to-business sales. Look, I think... Again, as I mentioned, it's hard to say how many there are, but there's, there's somewhere around the five to 10,000 mark when you add it all up. But of the ones that are actually already doing some type of online uh, sales, you're only looking at anywhere between four or 500 at this stage.
0: Wow. So, so there's a big opportunity in terms of if you can unlock it and, and inspire people to embrace this, this kind of way of working.
1: Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that it's a big opportunity for these farms. And in, in a lot of cases, they're just not quite aware of it yet. I think awareness is the biggest challenge. You know, within the farming community, it's usually quite a lot of traditional thinking. And the way we've always done it is the way we'll continue to do it. So it is a, it, this is really about, you know, um, sh- at the moment, we're very much about showcasing and demonstrating that this is a very viable model. It's a lot simpler than you think it is. It's a lot more manageable than you think it is um, in order for people to start really considering it as a a new channel to market for them.
0: And so how many farmers are actually on the platform now?
1: At the moment, we have 94 uh, farms or food hubs. They're not always farms. Sometimes they are a standalone, uh, like what we call a food hub that that just buys from local farms. Um, but we've been, you know, we're adding around about one a week at the moment.
0: Wow, so that's pretty rapid growth.
1: It is. I mean, the first one came on in May of 2020. So we're just three years in and the growth has been accelerating.
0: Interesting. And, and what do you, I suppose, think the benefit of this way of shopping is to consumers?
1: The main benefits are the product is usually better quality. It's fresher, it's more nutritious, it's more flavoursome than buying from a supermarket or buying through a, a sort of a long convoluted supply chain. Because when you buy direct, oftentimes it's harvested either the same morning or the day before that you're getting it on your doorstep. That's just an undeniably better product. The second part of it is that it is actually very convenient. You know, if you think about supermarkets, that's the whole reason they are able to dominate the, the, the market over the last sort of 80 years was, was through being the one place where people could go and get everything they wanted in one location. That's what convenience stood for. Now convenience is more about I, I shop on my phone and it arrives on my doorstep and, and small scale is able to compete on those grounds whereas they couldn't before. Uh, so the convenience factor is becoming more of an appeal and actually price. It's always been the case that you want to buy a small, it's considered boutique, it's considered premium, uh, and you're paying for the privilege of buying direct from small farms. Well, that's not the case anymore. And the reason is, is because with food inflation, food is inflating beyond most other things because it has a compounding inflationary effect when you're dealing with long supply chains. The more entities that are handling that food along the supply chain, the more the inflationary effects in the economy are adding to that food price at the retail end. When you're buying from small scale, especially in today's economic climate, they're not at this, under the same level of compounding effect of inflation. And so what we're starting to see now is price parity and even a much better price for the same item that you would buy from the supermarket. So that's a discovery process that's happening at the moment. People are starting to realize, actually, Aldi and Little isn't where I get my best value for money. I get my best value for money from my local farm that's going to drop it on my doorstep.
0: It's interesting, that price conversation, because ultimately, I think we're talking about a product that's just at another level quality wise. And actually, you know, I think there are a large group of people in the UK who are prepared to pay for that, for that kind of quality. And I think when I look at a lot of the suppliers that you're working with, when I look at the quality you're getting at the price you're getting it, you know, I really think it, it, they, do are, they do offer serious value.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, that is, that is the sort of the avant-garde customer for, for these businesses, for these, these small farms are the people who really do appreciate quality differentiation. And they are prepared to pay the price. In order, though, if we want to see small-scale independent farms starting to reclaim market share from the large centralized operators, price is a really important aspect. And it you know, it, it doesn't mean that you're competing with, you know, you, you're competing on price with a much lower quality product. It's got to compare apples with apples. But the point is that as conventional food prices are going up, the cost of the food that you're getting from small-scale farmers isn't going up as much, and you're getting a much closer competitive sort of margin there.
0: I think the other thing, which obviously we haven't touched upon, is it does also allow the farmers in question to get fair value for, for their product.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's always a tricky one to, to navigate this conversation when you talk about you know, how much does a farmer get paid for you know a broccoli that retails at two pounds in a supermarket. It can vary, it can really vary from case to case, but it can be as little as 20p. Um, whereas when you're selling direct, that farmer is getting the whole two pounds. Now they do need to do more work to get that whole two pounds. They need to pack it into a customer box and they need to uh, you know, deliver it to the customer but the extra margin pays well more than the cost of that extra work. And the other point is that they're not obscured behind a supply chain. They, you know, they, they now have a brand in themselves within their own community where they've got, the, they've got the relationship with that customer and that loyalty. And so there's a whole lot of other benefits. You know, There's less exposure to one customer when you're dealing with a, with a lot of retail customers. If one of those is deciding they don't want to buy from you, it's not, a major, it's not a major hit. The question then comes down to, well, what's the hassle of having to look after 150 or 200 customers compared to one or two larger customers? And that's where our software comes into the play. That's where the, the solutions that we're building is to make it very easy for you to deal with a large number of customers without the sort of headaches that you would normally have.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Because what you're talking about there is actually taking steps and costs ultimately out of a supply chain and allowing that profit ultimately to go to the person who's growing the work.
1: It is effectively extending the, the scope of what a food producer usually does to including the supply chain work, but then they're getting the margin from that supply chain effort. And in a lot of cases... It's what's really happening is it's the people who are working on the farm who are just getting extra work to do. So it enables farms to be able to employ an extra person who's able to do a whole general range of different activities and tasks on the farm. But one of those now includes packing boxes, or one of them might include loading the van up and and going out and delivering to the customers. So it's creating economic opportunity on the farm because they're reclaiming the supply chain. They're controlling and owning their own supply chain.
0: I think one of the things we haven't touched upon, and I I had a a lovely experience a few weeks ago where I was up on the Suffolk-Norfolk border for half term and went to a little local farm called Everlong Farm, uh, which is run by Phil and Stacey. And what was great actually about it was not only did we buy pumpkins and potatoes and onions and lettuces and carrots and all sorts of stuff from them, but actually, And I think, you know, you talk about this, you actually have a chance to develop a personal connection with where your food has actually come from. And I think that seems like a really important part of what you're doing.
1: Uh, It certainly is. When we very first started Ubi, one of the things that I recognised at that point is the story behind the food adds to the experience of the food. There is something about knowing the provenance, knowing who it's come from, knowing this, you know the the story about how it got to you, that somehow makes it more enjoyable on the plate. It, you know, it, it can even translate to I'm sure this tastes better, because it, because there's an intimacy to it that just
0: just can't be replaced by anything else. It's sweet. I mean, and I know you. So so you're a Kiwi.
1: No, I'm actually an Aussie. I'm an Aussie. I'm an Aussie that that, that was in in New Zealand for ten years. So I can't yes.
0: Ah, there we go. Yeah, because actually on this farm they had a special New Zealand pig which was the Kuni Kuni which, and I think, you know, that idea that you feel closer to the food and you feel that you enjoy the food more when you know where it's come from really, I think, came from came to life for me because actually, you know, the kids were able to say, oh, that's where this, where this came from. I understand this. And I just think you're right about that idea that the stories around the food really does help enrich the experience. Absolutely. So you must have a lot of fun getting to know a certain number of these farmers. Uh, it,
1: and that's the other point is farmers, you know, especially independent, small-scale farmers, they are the best people. I mean, they're just really good, hardworking, honest and great people to be around and to spend time with. You know, there's, there, it's a spade is a spade. And, and there's something so beautiful about having the opportunity to, to connect with and relate to, to people, small, small-scale farmers. They're, they're just fantastic.
0: So what are the challenges that, I suppose, stand in the way of you guys really delivering on this?
1: Um, well, there's a bunch of, you know, technically, there's always more ways that you can improve the experience for both the, 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 the farmer as well as for the customer. Um, and one of the things is, you, you know, we need to always be keeping up with the expectations of customers in a constantly changing world, you know, where, where expectations are always going up. You know, Amazon is right on the leading edge of what people expect when they're shopping online and so if you stand still you very quickly fall behind so that's one of the challenges is we've always got to be moving forward we've always got to be increasing and improving the the customer experience i think the other part is that we are seeing a groundswell there is actually a big move of people you know in households uh, and and, consumers for want of a better word that are really starting to wake up to the realization that I can access better food and I can be part of a better food system. I can be contributing to that better food system. We're anticipating that this is only going to happen more and more, more and more people when they look around the world, and they look at all the, all the problems and the issues that seem to be going on in the last five to 10 years. They're starting to think, I've got to start getting on the side of making things better. And so it's the challenge is around how can we scale? How can, not so much scale, but how can we how can we build our, our, our technology to be able to replicate much faster so that more and more farms and, and food hubs can get in and get started and, and start contributing to that demand.
0: So at the moment, are you focused more on the rural areas than the big cities?
1: Yes, we are. Well, it's sort of happened that way. Um, I think one of the reasons we have more of a rural footprint is because there's less options in rural areas when it comes to accessing organic, um, you know, and, and high, high quality produce. Um, you know, if you look at the likes of uh, Riverford and Abel and Cole, they've, they're fantastic. They deliver an ex- excellent an excellent service and an excellent product. But they need to focus on the higher, higher sort of density populations for, to, for that model to work. They can't be driving all the way out to the end of Cornwall and, and into, into a lot of the rural areas. Um, whereas the UBI model is more about supporting you know, farms in their own rural communities to serve their own rural, rural communities. And they're, they're able to operate in a viable and profitable manner without needing to have thousands of customers. So that's one of the key differences is, you know, we're, we're designing and building a, uh, a platform that means that you can be profitable at, at a relatively low volume of customers um, because we're just cutting a lot of the cost out and ensuring you're getting maximum margin. And a lot of these small farms, they don't want, you know, more than 100 or 200 customers. That's enough for them. And, it, and, and you know, 150 customers, when you're doing an average of 20 pounds basket value or box value a week, that's 3,000 pounds a week in revenue. And if you've got a team of yourself and a couple of helpers, that's a good business and you're not having to worry about the stresses of managing a bigger team and all these other overhead costs with infrastructure and so forth. It's just a good optimal size lifestyle business that is profitable and is stable.
0: It's interesting what you say there about the customer, because I think you're right. You know, the likes of Abel and Cole and Riverford, you know, are dominant in, in, in sort of London and the big city areas. You know, certainly on my road, you know, you can tell the days when they arrive because they drop off three or four boxes on the road. They're sort of a, a big fixture of the area. But I heard someone talk the other day that one of the challenges for small farmers is actually who produce amazing produce is finding a different model that is not charge a higher price and try and engage with the big cities. Actually, what you're trying to do in some ways is keep some of the real quality produce in the local area and provide that opportunity to local customers.
1: Absolutely. And you can do that without having to charge the premium prices because you're not having to add the costs associated with taking it into a big city you're not having to deal with a wholesaler or having to deal with a distributor and you're not having to worry about the miles and the and the handling and things like that. So you can make the same margin or same profit at a lower price product.
0: It's great. I mean I have to say I, I when I met you guys at Groundswell, I was really inspired by the idea that technology could be kind of uncoupled and, and bundled in a way that allowed much smaller businesses to leverage quality tech, which would, truth be told, not be accessible to them if they tried to do it themselves. And having built tech, you know, I, I know the hard, the hard challenge there. So how do, how do farmers and, and producers kind of, I suppose, get involved with what you're doing and, and, and also how do customers get involved?
1: Right. Well, for farmers and producers, it's really a matter of, you know, you can find us on online. It's UBI is spelt with four O's. It stands for out of our own backyards. Uh, so it's double O double O B Y and you'll come to our website and you'll, you'll be able to learn and understand how it all works Or we're out and about we we're, we're at the you know We're at groundswell and we're at the different farming conferences. So we're out sharing our insights and and you're know, telling our story um, and then for for customers that are looking to buy local food we do have a section on our website which basically gives a a directory of of where the farms are in their area that they can buy from Um, and most of the time the farms are doing their own self-promotion within their own region but we've, we've we've realized and we've you know the feedback we've been getting is we want to focus on the stuff that we, we, do, we do well. We want to focus on growing and we can do the packing and we can do the deliveries. That's all hands-on stuff that we, we're happy with, but we don't want to be trying to be a marketing business. And so now what we're working in to our model is how can we help the farms to actually find and bring new customers to them? so that they can really focus on what they do. The more that the platform evolves, the better position we are in to be able to tell the story, to tell their story, and to reach the customers that they, they wouldn't
0: otherwise be able to reach. So do you imagine becoming more of a sort of consumer-facing brand over time?
1: I think we'll we'll have a brand that is a representative brand. So we the way I like to think about it is that if, if Ubi can sort of be the stage upon which the farms are the stars of the show, right? So we see ourselves as being a storytelling brand where we're telling the story, you know, of, of Martin from Moss Valley Market Garden, or, you know, uh, Ian from Tollhurst Organic, or, and, and really celebrating their local independent brands um, and, and championing those but from a, from a position of being able to sort of combine and get the, get the sort of the firepower that, say, a
0: national brand would have. Thanks, Pete, for coming in and talking on the Food Talk show today. It's been amazing to hear your story. I have to say, I think it's really an incredible thing you're doing. And I really hope that more farmers and more consumers get involved. Thanks, Ollie. It's a real pleasure. You've been listening to Ollie Lloyd on The Food Talk Show. Please do hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow us on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.